Thank you for reading Romans 12. Um, while I was contemplating this study, something really spoke out to me that, uh, and the topic is submission to government authority uh, or worldly authority, higher powers, a bunch of terms that get used. We're all excited to talk about that, I'm sure, given our current time. Nevertheless, the thing that really occurred to me was that this is about a witness. And Romans 12 kind of lays that out really well, talking about how our witness should be, how our minds should be towards the things that God tells us to do and towards those that we interact with. And so I hope that, as Sam was reading that, that some of the aspects of Romans 12 kind of rung through, paving the way for this. A parallel section of Scripture to this passage is Romans 13, the entire chapter, which comes after Romans 12. So you can see Paul was paving the way for this topic, so it seemed prudent. Read the scriptures, and then we'll just ask God to just set it into our hearts. So 1 Peter 2, 13-17 says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or to governors, them sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Heavenly Father, uh, help us to to discern how this applies in our lives today. Because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And your word is sure. It's set. It's established. So help us to trust you in obedience and do everything you tell us to do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Why is that not rolling? There we go. Okay, so um, before we get to that, can you skip me forward to, say, 64, I think? We're going to do a spoiler alert to go right to the conclusion. <laughs> I was thinking about the time, and I have a lot to say, so I figure if I at least get the conclusion out, I can go back and see where we get to, so... Might be 63, but that's okay. The right area. Okay. How many slides total do you have on there? No. How many does it say total? Oh, okay. We're going to wait to the end then. Yeah. Uh, the hidden ones. I thought I rendered it down for you. I apologize. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Near the end. Now I'm messing it all up.
Okay, so interesting enough, I sent out a whole bunch of slides. Is that 127 or something? And so I sent them out, and it turned out to be 66 as I pressed save. And I was like, that's cool. There's 66 books in the Bible. So we got a slide for every book. Uh, no, it should go further. How many do you know? Let's go. Yeah. Oh, yes. This was. Yes. Okay. We'll go to the next slide. Actually, we'll just stay here. This is fine. This is fine. This does does come give me like what I want to aim for. Okay. Go back up on that. Um, why is this not working? Well, whoops. Doesn't want to roll. There we go. Okay, so I'm just going to give you this brief conclusion, then we'll come back to it. So, uh, one, all Christians must be subject to higher powers, submit, submit to authority, to world, submit to and honor worldly authority. I'll slow down, I'm getting excited. Um, remember, God gave them authority over you. Two, you are free, but don't abuse your freedom because you were bought with a price. Be respectful of everyone, not just those who you like or fear, and no spite or slander. Your witness matters. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Be loving towards your fellow believers and everyone else. Love the brethren, love your enemies, and all the authorities over you. And fear God and keep his commandments above all else. This is the duty of every believer. Into the next one. All right. So here's my conclusion. Um, obey the secular authorities that God put over you because one, it is the obe- it is obedience to God. We saw in the, the passage it said this is the will of God, and it is a good testimony. And all right, there is an exception. I will delve into all that. But God's commands supersede the secular authorities when opposed to the commands that God has given. So you must stand for truth that never changes. And you must fear God, not man. We'll get back to that one. Okay, I'm going to scroll up. Hopefully it does it. I'm not sure what it's maybe my trackball is going off the screen here. There you go. Okay, so now you know the spoiler. You know, you've got what's coming. Now I'll explain how we get there. All right, I think we're still. There's lots of slides here, lots of information. All right, almost there. We won't actually have time to go through each one of these. You subconsciously get them as we go through here. <laughs> okay. The mission of government authority. There we are. So we've read, we've read the passage. And the way we're going to lay this out is we'll use Isaiah's instruction, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. And in doing so, we're going to see if there's other passages that 
confirm what Peter said, but you already know there are. So if we look at, actually first, let's glean some important information out of that uh, First Peter section. I did read it in the conclusion, but submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be as the king of supreme or as governors. We have the reasons on the other side. Uh, as to them that are sent for him by for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them do well. That gives you a function of what the government's job is. Um, command, as for you not using liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, uh, it's really easy to start saying bad things about our leadership, isn't it? So easy to get frustrated and start calling names and being malicious about them, right? Who does it? Because my hand is up, right? I'm admitting I've said things that are very not nice and been upset with our leadership provincially, uh, federally, even at work, right? It happens. Wrong. We're told not to do that because it's a testimony. Uh, we're to honor all men despite what they do. We're still to honor all men, right? Love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. So let's just uh, simplify the statements a little bit which I said earlier, submit to an honor world authority. You're free, but don't abuse your freedom. Be respectful of everybody, not just those who you fear alike. Be loving towards your fellow believers. Fear God and keep his commandments. And we'll take honor the king and stick it in with submit to their authority. We're going to jam that in. We're going to keep adding to this stack of information. Romans 13, a parallel the scripture says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power of God. The powers that are sorry, that be are ordained of God. Ordained of God. So that God did it. He just said it was for his, it was his will that we're subject to them. He said he's ordained them. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. That's, uh, that's heavy. It's not very good. Okay? So we ought to not be in rebellion. We know what God says about that, right? Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. For, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. That also gives you a function of the government. They're supposed to be out there stopping evil, right? What's the thing about a government's job? It's supposed to have police stop people from doing bad things, arrest them, incarcerate them, um, and it's also supposed to protect us nationally. So we're talking like foreign and domestic uh, bad guys stopping them, okay? Uh, okay. Well, thou then, not the power, for that which is good, and thou shalt have the praise of the, of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good work, uh, for good. So I was actually saying that even those wicked authorities are his minister. Well, really? God says that? I'll show you examples where he actually says, for example, Nebuchadnezzar, my servant. Interesting. Okay. Um, where are we at? For he is the minister of God to thee for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, which means that if you're going to do bad things, the authority over you is going to come and punish you. And be assured that when you do things that are wrong and you're a believer, you know, like speeding, you might 
that you're probably going to get that ticket because there's a Holy Spirit that's convicting you what you're doing, right? And to make sure you get uh, get a readjusted, corrected for that. All right. Um, so waiting for he's the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon evil work for. He must need to be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. Uh, for this cause, pay tribute also. That's talking about your taxes. Uh, no one likes to hear that one very much. Uh, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues. That's very similar to what Jesus said. Render therefore unto Caesar, that which is Caesar's. Um, tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear and honor to whom honor. Very, very parallel to what Peter was saying. Just kind of breaks out maybe a bit more. Right? So we're just going to keep adding that information in. All we've done is really bolster the information we had, a couple extra lines like, do good and pay your taxes. Okay? Right. Somebody starts thinking, whose side are you on anyway? Scientists <laughs> 3, 1 to 3. Put them in mind to be subject to the principalities and powers. That's a very interesting statement because when Paul talked about principalities, and powers, he was talking about a spiritual wickedness, wasn't he? So it's very interesting that Peter, and you think about that, it's not, doesn't mean that they're good guys necessarily, okay? Uh, to obey magistrates, to be ready uh, to every good work. Now that's pretty interesting, because there's a, there's a condition that that sets right now for us. Be ready to every good work. It doesn't say that you're to be ready to do the bad work, evil. Does that make sense? So this is actually kind of sets the tone for what this is all talking about. In other words, God does not expect you to do what the authorities are telling you to do if it's wrong. If they tell you to kill somebody, someone, abort your baby, um, do something that's wrong. I'm not telling you to do that. So, so there's obviously a line in here, okay? Uh, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. You know what meekness means? A lot of people confuse it with humility, not humility. I remember uh, Moses was called the most, like he was like the most meek. It's because he had authority and he opted not to push it. He let God do what needed to be done. So when he was threatened by Miriam, like, hey, we, I should be in your position kind of thing. And he went, all right, let's let God decide instead of doing it himself, right? So like, it's like a, um, a dog, big old dog, mean dog, being bugged by a little chihuahua. And that do big old mean dog doesn't just go and bite the chihuahua. It just puts up with it. There's a meekness there because it could just go crunch. It has the power to do so, but it doesn't. Uh, for we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, uh, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. See, it's for us to remember we were also once lost, like those secular leaders. So the context there will be for a good witness. Because what, we, what do we want for them? We want those secular leaders. We want our Justin Trudeau and our Horgan and these old guys that frustrations with, we want them to give their lives to Jesus and serve the Lord with their hearts, right? And their souls to be saved. That's what we want. So we're going to 
slide more precepts in there. And what we're doing is we're packing in. See, it said do good work already. We're bolstering it. It's for the doing of good work. Our witness would be bad if we did, when the government told us to do bad things, to do sinful things, and we did those, that would be bad for the witness. It would be bad for their salvation too. Okay, uh, if you're concerned about taxes, there's a couple incidences where Jesus actually deals with taxes. Once with Peter, where they're, they're pressuring him, well, doesn't, your, uh, doesn't your leader pay taxes? And he says, hey, Peter, go go cast out in the water and catch a fish. that will be coin in his mouth and give it to a, the tax um, authority for us, for you and me. So he's saying, okay, render under Caesar what's Caesar's, right? Both those incidences. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on because my focus is not on taxes for this sermon. All right. It's just part of it. Okay. Uh, render the Caesar saw that. Uh, actually, I was talking about, you and I were talking about it. And I think one of the interesting points of that render to Caesar is it's giving to the authorities what is the authorities, right? Giving what's due to them, to them. That's, uh, I said, I read it somewhere too. It's uh, the civic part, right? Separation of church and state, really, isn't it? Because it's saying, render what's civil to civil, and to God what's to God. So you have state and church. There's, kind of, there's a distinct separation Jesus is actually making there. This is a, that's an interesting add-in there. Okay, uh, Colossians talks about servants. There's a number of places, actually, Peter goes right into servants after this, so I, I'm going to skip that. That's um, kind of next week's topic anyway. But there is a relationship between servants obeying masters, as uh, all of us obeying the, those authorities that are over time. All right. I quoted this earlier, but if you recall, uh, Sam, Samuel uh, is delayed in coming to... Uh, to the battle to bless the battle and, and put a sacrifice out for those and fight off some enemies. And Saul goes and does uh, the sacrifice himself because he's impatient. And then he goes and fights the battle and then doesn't do what he's supposed to. He's supposed to um, destroy everything in those cities because they were it was a Canaanite city. He's supposed to destroy everything, every living thing. But he doesn't. He keeps back the best of the stuff and he keeps the king. I don't know if he wants to gloat over him or what he's trying to do. Samuel comes in and goes, like, I hear the bleeding of sheep. What's going on here? And uh, he's like, wow, they made me keep the best of the sheep. You know, that's the people's fault. They made me keep the best of the sheep so we could sacrifice them. That's why we did it. Um, Samuel has it all killed, destroyed, does the sacrifice. And he tells Saul, rebellion is the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is iniquity. Uh, stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry. That's a pretty heavy statement. He's saying to Saul, you have a rebellious heart, and that's it. God's going to take the kingdom from your family. It's gone. It's out. Okay? So, it says, because of those rejected the word of the Lord, he is rejected from being king. So, rebelliousness is very serious, isn't it? So serious that he wants an inheritance through that. And all his kids were killed. Right? The only sin that was Mephibosheth that actually lived through this whole thing. And he didn't have any kids because he was deformed from birth. 
So his whole lineage after that, done. That's how God viewed the rebellion. So everything we've read so far, if you are going to disobey authorities and not submit to them, as God said, as God said it was his will, the consequences are pretty dramatic, aren't they? God's seeing that as rebellion, which we ought not have, because what are we to have with witchcraft? Nothing to do with it. Witches, sorcerers, necromancers, were all, they're all supposed to be killed. If they were fought, found in Israel, they're supposed to be killed. God took it all very seriously. Right. This whole topic, isn't there? I'm going to keep moving forward because of our time. Uh, if you guys read the notes, I did send um, a link over to Wendy. She'll, she'll email it out. And there's a lot of scriptures tucked in the back that kind of continue to support all this. Um, so a good witness is subject to higher powers. This is really where we're going to. This is what Romans paved the way for. This is where we get to the end of the, the talk, is that it's about a good witness. right? It's obedience to God, and it's about being that salt and that light in this dark world, which seems to be getting darker and darker. right? That's what we're, this is what this is about. So we might be frustrated with the current situations that we're in, but how are we going to behave in the midst of that? And how are we going to witness to this dark world and try and catch a few more? Right? Isn't that what we're trying to do? Are we trying to catch a few more before it's too late? So what I found interesting is that you can basically break down everything that's been talked about in two categories, one is love Lord your God, which Jesus said was the commandment, and the other one is love your neighbors, which he said was the second, and like unto the first. Everything breaks down. And uh, you look at a good witness will, a good citizen witness, that's to the, everybody around you, will be subject to higher powers and submit to authority and honor the authority. Rebellious or as some people will say, rebellious for the sake of being rebellious, right? We're not going to do that. In fact, rebel because rebellion is wrong. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to defy something that's wrong. You still can defy it. But then the question is, who's being rebellious? Because if you're standing for what God says, like Peter and John, when they were told not to preach in the name of Jesus, and they said, you decide whether it's better to obey God or obey man. Were they in rebellion? No, they weren't. But they broke the command from authority, didn't they? In fact, throughout the book of Acts, all the believers, they're meeting in upper rooms, avoiding arrests, because there's laws and there's papers out there to go and get them. Paul was going around at first called Saul, trying to hunt them down and get them in prison and put some of them to death. Pretty serious. And yet the believers at that time, they're not rebelling. They're putting God's authority first. Because as soon as the government 
leadership, etc., starts to say, you can't worship God. You can't fellowship together. You can't preach the word. Read your Bibles. Bibles are illegal. They are in the wrong. They are in the rebellion. Okay? I don't get to all my examples. That's what I'm trying to pave out there, okay? All right. So submission. The higher powers. We've read, read these, so I'm just moving. Romans 13, remember that. It said, Whosoever therefore resists the power, resists the ordinance of God. Let's not resist God. Okay? One thing I want to draw real clear. If the government or any other authority says one thing that you should do that is wrong, it doesn't mean you throw out everything else that they've said or every other thing because God still put them in that position for his purposes. So don't think that gives you license to go and break every law now. Woo! They did one thing, I'm going to do everything I want to do now. See you later. That's not the point. Right? We are still supposed to be under the authority, but where they have broken God's commands or telling you to break God's commands or preventing you from serving the Lord, that's the territory where you can say, no, I will obey God before man. Right? Always obey God before man. But that's where you're going to say, man is now trying to command me to do something else I can't do. Right? When you look at so many missionaries around the world, they have gone into countries where they were told not to speak or not not to uh, to, to talk about the New Testament, Jesus Christ, and they've been killed for it. Uh, Ethiopia, China, Vietnam, country after country where they've gone in, and we've lost so many missionaries over the years because they've gone to preach the gospel against what the authorities have said, right? And nationals that are there in those countries suddenly explode once those missionaries have been taken out and and it only explode like the bits and pieces of her. I mean they explode as in the churches grow under that persecution. I look at our numbers right now, I think maybe we need a few more decrees because we're we're extra chairs out. Okay. Anyway. Um I can't remember what how I got onto that part. Uh it don't resist the ordinance of God, again, don't be rebellious for the sake of being rebellious. You're free, don't abuse your freedom. Remember, you were bought with a price. So your freedom is in Christ. He owns you. Amen? You're bought with a price. That price is like, you can't put a number on that that price. Jesus died for you. So as a free man or free woman, just in the context of obedience to the Lord. You're free from the world, but God said, for your witness and for my will, fall, fall underneath the authority of the world. All right? Well, you're here. Your witness matters because you're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Matthew 10, 18 says, And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. You were a testimony. Do you notice what he said there? And you shall be. So that means that you should expect that we're going to have difficulties with our authorities because we follow Jesus. 
because the secular authorities are going to be more and more rejecting the teaching and authority of Jesus Christ. So we should expect that there's going to be more resistance. You're going to have more decrees, on it, probably in the name of health, the name of, you know, you're selfish if you don't. We're probably going to see more and more of that. Love the brethren. Your enemies all those authority over you. Luke 6.35, Jesus said, but love your enemies and do good and lend hoping for nothing again and your reward shall be great and ye shall be the children of the highest for he is kind unto unthankful and to evil. And that's true. Jesus in another place talks about he, God brings rain on the just and the unjust. Right? So God is kind. He's actually allowing us all and we, we've given our lives to Jesus. I trust everyone here, or hope everyone here has given their life to the Lord Jesus. If not, do it, because you have the time right now to do it. right? But at some point, the time will be up. He's given the world right now time to repent. So at some point, the time will be up. Again, let's get a few more by our witness, by sharing the, the, the good news of Jesus Christ while we have the time to do that. And this is the duty of every believer in Christ. And where he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. The one thing that can all have confidence in is if you're following what God says and you're doing what the authorities over you say, barring anything that's wickedness, you're doing that for God's glory, then, amen, it's good, and there's blessing. And those authorities who told you to do something that they shouldn't have or tried to hold that over you, they're going to be judged. So we ought to pray for salvation, pray for their souls, right? We've seen that recap. Remember, God gave them authority over you, so that's why you're subject to them. I won't go through this entire list. We will come back to that. Uh, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, for so is the will of God. That with well-doing you may put the silence of ignorance, sorry, silence the ignorance of foolish men. Peter in his second book talks about being willingly ignorant, and that's something that has been on my mind the last few months, that there are many who have chosen to be willingly ignorant. Peter has the context, he says, uh, you know, all the, the, the earth has been deformed by the flood. And there's so much evidence of the flood. And yet, people in this world are willingly ignorant. They say, ah, you know, what's going on now? The amount of erosion that's happening, the amount of things that are going on. Science, it's been like that forever. So it must have taken millions or billions of years to get to what we have now. Peter actually describes that. He says they're willingly ignorant. They choose to ignore the evidence that all the geology we have today has been formed in the flood. They ignore it. They say, no, no. we're smarter than that. We're called Homo sapien sapien. You know what sapien means? Wise. So today we are called Homo sapien sapien. We're wise, wise man. We're smarter than God. 
We're not. But that's what the idea is today. And in that arrogance, they're willingly ignorant. And so, how do you defeat that? We submit ourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, for this is the will of God. We follow the will of God. And then we can put them into silence. And that's meekness again, because it's easy for us to want to go, I know the science for real, and I want to argue with you and show you where you're wrong. How often does an argument about evolution or some other religious idea win favor? Does it? Often? I mean, friendly discussions, I've, ha- I've gained much ground, but as soon as it becomes the debate jumps into an argument. As soon as it becomes a fight, you've lost already, right? Because pride is in the midst of it. And it's easy for us, trying to say what's right, to be proud too. So that's where that meekness comes in. Holy Spirit will prepare people's hearts, won't he? It's up to us to obey the will of God. That's good examples. Okay, Jesus has all the authority, doesn't he? Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says that all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. So he's declared that all authority is in his hand, right? Actually, it's an iron scepter that he actually holds to, to demonstrate his authority. He actually holds the keys of hell and death all in his hand. Jesus and Pilate's like, hey, um, don't you know that I can have you killed right now? And Jesus is like, only because God gave you the power. And what happened was like, Pilate's like, he was put to silence, wasn't he, for a moment. He was put to silence like, okay, that's done. (laughs) He marveled at that. Jesus said, thou couldst have no power at all against me except it were given to thee from above. So where does authority come from? God. Worldly authority comes from God. Pilate, he was uh, worldly, very worldly. He's not godly, but came from above. There are more examples. Old Nebuchadnezzar. And there are three verses that say the same thing. King of Babylon says, And now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. Twice God calling this warmonger, uh, self-idolater, because he builds a statue to himself. Then he looks over the kingdom and says, I am the greatest. He's pretty high on himself. And God says he's his servant? Wow, that's kind of profound, actually. But we know that God is sovereign, don't we? He's got everything in control. So that means that even the secular world, who think they have, you know, I'm my own master, I'm better than my own life, I have my own control, they do not. They're constrained by the Lord and they're provoked. They're provoked to do things. So Nebuchadnezzar was used by God to judge Israel. right? And at the same time to preserve Israel, because he preserved a lot of Israel in taking it. Cyrus, later on, Cyrus of Persia, he says, he that saith of Cyrus, 
shall perform all my pleasure. Cyrus is being called a shepherd of, his, of God's people in this case. So he's, they're actually, Israel being, or, or Judah, sorry, is being kept protected, actually, even in the secular environment. And you know what? So are we. We're here. Remember back in Egypt, where was Israel? They were put in the land of Goshen. They're in the midst of the world and the, and the witchcraft and everything, but they're protected in that little spot, aren't they? And, and what's the picture that we have? That of a hen with the wings out, covering her chicks. So even in the midst of whatever is going on, we're still within God's wings, protected by him, aren't we? Jesus says, uh, sorry, thus saith the Lord to his anointed to Cyrus. He calls him his anointed. I mean, he called Saul his anointed. And Saul started off, you know, among the prophets prophesying, but he became proud and then he didn't listen and then rebellious. And, um, but he was recognized as God's anointed because God had anointed him for a purpose. Same thing with Cyrus. So Nebuchadnezzar was used to judge. Cyrus was used to reestablish. He actually decreed, let's go rebuild the temple and the wall. That's pretty cool, right? And it's possible that he's actually Esther's son. I don't know if you've heard that. It's possible that this Cyrus actually is the descendant of Ahasuerus and Esther. And that's where we have basically Mordecai being grandpa. So I think that's the case for this Cyrus. But that's pretty cool if you actually add that up. How God puts that whole story together you know, the whole idea of Mordecai, Esther, Ahasuerus, and then they're used to prepare Israel back and restored. Pretty cool. Okay, what's the purpose of the government? I've already said they're there to punish evildoers. So criminal justice and enforcement of laws and national defense. Uh, and they're, they're actually, in that Peter passage says that praise them that do well. That's an interesting thing too. You don't see that a lot. We see the opposite a lot, don't we? They seem to, the news seems to praise or glorify everything that's not right. right? Uh, and you know, public work projects, um, they called it Wells Walls of Worship Centers, and I won't go into all that, but if you look into it, you'll see different commissions putting together walls or uh, Solomon's building the temple or whichever. Okay. When the righteous are authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Anybody feel that? Yeah. But when we're mourning, that doesn't mean that we can be mean, malicious, contemptuous to our leadership. We have to have a right heart. So let's mourn and call upon the name of the Lord and trust him to take care of it all. Right? Now, exceptions. We saw what the rules were. Are there exceptions? Okay. Uh, I, I listed off a bunch, and there's more I keep thinking about. Again, like the, the New Testament church is a just a generalized example. Um, Paul is kicked out of the synagogue. You know, he's preaching Jesus, even though people don't want to preach Jesus. Peter and John were preaching Jesus despite being told not to. I won't go through all of them. I actually deleted a bunch of those slides out after putting them together because there's just too much. But, Here's that, here's that important statement for us. 
But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. Do you notice how they said that? Did they stick it to them, you know? No, they weren't rude even. They had the Lord over them and they said, Now you decide. Right? Moses goes to Pharaoh, let my people go. Does he go? Don't like your answer? We're out. See you later. Nope. He doesn't. He just persists. Let my people go. God says, let my people go. God says, let my people go. And finally, Pharaoh goes, get him out of here. And goes, okay. Got permission. Do you see that? Do you see how that worked? That was meekness too. So Moses didn't go, okay, we're going to defy your orders. We're not sticking around. We're out. Didn't do that. He said, he, he kept asking what command was. And then, as soon as permission happened, then he took him out. Again, they're in the midst of persecution, weren't they? Being made to find their own stubble and their own mud and put it all together and make the stuff. They were being worked pretty hard. So it was a tough time for them. So, attitude is important. God and man, we know the answer to that, don't we? If we're told by the world, the authorities, to do something contrary to what God has told us to do, then we will obey God. Right? I hear some amen on that. We will obey God. Right. So let's pray that the worldly authorities don't force us to have to cross, to, to, to stand that way. We are already having to stand that way. Let's pray, Lord Jesus, convict them. Convict our worldly authorities that they need to be in obedience to the Lord. More so, they need to give their lives to Jesus Christ with the, and, and trust Him for their salvation and be filled with the Holy Ghost and lead from this. Right? Daniel, the book of Daniel has so many examples. First of all, Daniel is out there. Um, he gets captured and, and, and brought to from Jerusalem to uh, Babylon. And then they're like, uh, the king's like, okay, got some smart guys, make them eunuchs. That was a uh, kind of a persecution, I think. Right? If I had been forced to be a eunuch, I would say that was persecution. So Daniel's in there, and the king says, now feed him the king's wine and king's meat which isn't kosher, probably was pork, I don't know, probably had blood in it, right? You know, medium rare, let's have it, okay, or rare. Uh, the best stuff the king wanted, the most delicious, whatever. And he's like, I can't do that. And so the, the master's put over top of him, and he says to him, I got an idea, right? God gave me an idea, obviously. He's like, give us this pulse, this mixture of, of lentils and stuff. We'll eat that. Judge it in 10 days and see how we do. And the guy's like, I don't, kind of, ugh, I don't want my head chopped off. But okay, we'll try it. I'll trust you. You seem to be smart. So he tries it 10 days later. They look better than everybody else. Now, does Nebuchadnezzar go, hey, good on you for breaking my decree? No. It never gets resolved at any point that we can see in the scripture beyond that. He's just happy to see them better than everybody else. He probably doesn't know that, it was, that his decree was broken. 
And yet they continued on breaking that decree for who knows how long, until Nebuchadnezzar fell, I presume. So it's, not, it's to be unresolved. Now, was Daniel in rebellion? No, he was going to take God's laws first. He had to, right? Well, Daniel's got buddies with him that were also eating that pulse with him, and they get sent out to the different provinces. And over on the plain of Dura, they're in charge of stuff going on over there. And Nebuchadnezzar, remember he had his dream with Daniel? He had a king with the golden head, or the, the, the image with the golden head, and then the silver arms and, and breastplate, and then the bronze, and then the iron, and iron with miry clay. He dreams of this image. Well, Daniel says, the head's you, king, but you're going to be taken over by another. And he's like, uh, I don't like that idea. You know, he commends Daniel and puts him in position of power, but he says, I don't like that idea. So he goes out to Dura, builds a statue all gold of himself. So not just the head that's going to get conquered by the silver. He's like, see, I'm my own man. I'm going to make it my way. And you're all going to worship me just in case anybody's got some funny ideas about taking over. And so he tries to get everybody, you know, when on the music plays and all these instruments play, you all have to bow down towards this image, which just so happens to be 60 cubits tall and 6 cubits wide. Does that connect with any story to you guys? 60 and 6. And an image. Guess what? Everybody does fall, except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They fall. Second Thessalonians 2 says there will be a great falling away. There's our example. So when that happens, are you going to stand or are you going to fall? And it's a one-world risen authority that's going to tell everybody to fall. Are you going to stand? That's an exception, isn't it? They stood. King gives them a second chance. That's kind of interesting. Second chance. He gives them a second chance, and they say, listen, we can't do that. And if God saves us, amen, and if he doesn't, and he takes us, we will still stand. So they go into the, you know, the furnace seven times hotter. It actually completely burns up the guards that shove them in there. But they're unscathed. And Nebuchadnezzar looks in there, and he sees four men, right? What does he say about the fourth man? Profound. It says, it looks like the, and I say the Son of God. It looks like the Son of God. All right? That's King James. Your modern translations actually say Son of the Gods. Go back to the King James in this one. The Son of God. He saw Jesus in the midst of them, protecting them. That's profound. They come out. Were they in rebellion? No, but they sure defied what was wrong, which was worshipping the image, worshipping an idol. And for us, that's going to spur us to not do that when it comes time. When that image is put up in front of us, right? What's uh, the Bible call that? The abomination of desolation. Daniel actually called it that. Abomination of desolation. When that's set up, we are not going to worship that. Amen? Stand on the word of God and continue to stand. And that, and that, and you want to learn how to stand? Paul told us in Ephesians, stand, stand, stand. Put on your armor. Salvation, faith, truth, righteousness. Read your word. Hear the sword of the Spirit. Stand. All right. Because 
you know, the story of, Dar story of Darius and the decree, the law that couldn't be broken of the Medes and Pers uh, Persians. Those guys were jealous of them. They get a law made that they got to worship Darius. And I'm probably not there, but Darius and nobody else. And Daniel's like, no, I'm going to keep praying. And he prays out his window. doesn't even go into hiding. He continues to pray three times a day faithfully. And then he's going to have to be killed for it. They catch him because they knew they're going to catch him. And he's either going to deny the Lord, right? Or he's going to get killed. Either way, they're like, great. His testimony's ruined. Or he's, he's going, we're going to get him out of here. Either way, work for those jealous guys. So, come in the lion's den. Next day, he comes back out. Uh, does that kind of that image make you think of something? Like, he's at the right hand of the king. Because the law has to go into a pit. Then, early in the morning the next day, comes out, restored to the hand of the king. Jesus goes into the grave, ascends back into heaven, a foreshadow. Anyway, again, Daniel was not in rebellion. He was serving God first. And he did it with confidence, openly. So even the, the, the pulse thing was maybe a little under wraps this time. He's doing it openly, with confidence. So that Acts 4.31 says, and they spake the word of God boldly. That's what we'll do, right? Speak the word of God boldly. Okay. Uh, I'd love to go into more examples. Naboth Vineyard is a great example. Naboth, uh, I'm just going to briefly touch on it. Ahab goes to Naboth, I want to buy your vineyard. And Naboth goes, I can't, so even if I wanted to, part of my inheritance, I can't sell it to you. Ahab's sulky. Jezebel's like, why are you sulky, honey? He says, well, I want that vineyard. I even offered him a better one. Jezebel's like, I got this. With his seal, signs letters, gets two false witnesses, just like Jesus had two false witnesses against him. Gets two false witnesses against him. They, they stone him, and then go like, that's it. That's it. Jezebel, you're so done. And so, of course, you hear the story of her eating the dogs, and they poop her out in the vineyard because that's how God was like, I'm going to make a statement about this. Naboth was not in rebellion when he said no to the king. He was standing for what he was told. God said, this is your inheritance. You don't even have the right to sell it to Ahab's family. It's your inheritance. So he stood for that and he said, nope, I'm not going to sell it. He was right. He, did, he, he was godly in that. Ahab was in rebellion. Jezebel was in rebellion. All right. Last, last example. Remember the midwives when Moses was born. Now they're told by Pharaoh, kill all the babies. Abort the babies if they're boys. And then they go, these are more lively. And he's like, okay, that's enough. And he sends the soldiers in, they're killing them. And he says, tells them, cast the babies into the Nile. Well, in some ways, Moses' mom kind of did that, but she made a basket when she put them in, and she didn't like cast them in, she just put them, put them in there. Nevertheless, she did put babies into the Nile. God protected them, and she was right, and she was even blessed for it. She got to be his wet nurse and raise him up as a baby. She got him back. She wasn't in rebellion, neither were the midwives. They were given special for standing up 
against that wrong decree. So sometimes that government is going to tell us to do things that are wrong, like Herod did. Same thing, right? Herod went, and let's murder all the babies, get rid of this Christ that's going to take over my position. All right. Let's keep uh, going to this conclusion here. All right. Uh, just to recap, must be subject to higher power and submit to and honor worldly authority because that's what God ordained. It's his will. You're free, but don't abuse your freedom because you were bought with price. So does the government own you? No. Why are you going to serve them? Because God said so. It's a good witness. Be respectful of everyone, not just those who you like or fear, and no spider slander. So remember your witness. Make sure your testimony is right. It's good. Make sure your testimony is immaculate. Because that's what will put them to silence. That's what will lead them to Jesus. Be loving towards your fellow believers and everyone else, even the wicked authorities over you, right? In fact, we're told, what, to pray for them, aren't we? Pray for those rulers that are over you. And for, uh, fear God and keep his commandments above all else. So when it comes to the uh, world, the authorities tell you to do something wrong, fear God. Fear God over anything they can do to you in consequence. And Jesus said, don't fear them who have the power over flesh and um, your, your bodies. Fear him who has the power over you and your soul. So we fear God. It's scary sometimes to think about consequences of standing out, of ridicule, or even of that higher punishment that our brothers and sisters around the world have faced, that kind of persecution. Nevertheless, guess what they do? They stand. They have their faith in Jesus and they trust God. Right? And so shall we. Stand for truth. Fear God and not man. And in final exhortation, Paul told Timothy, I exhort you therefore that first of all, supplication, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men. All men. For kings and for all that are in authority. In all godliness and honesty. For it has been acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. So, the objective, again, pray for those leaders that they would give their lives to the, to the Lord. Some of them surely will, because you're praying for them, because God has the plan. You think about, uh, is it King Agabus, where Paul says, don't you know, I, I know, know these scriptures. And he says, I almost, almost come and become a Christian because of what you said. I don't know if he ever did or not, but I sure hope that that man and his wife gave their life to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that uh, you have given us these commandments so that you can use us for your glory in this dark world. And thank you that you've given us discernment, you've given us your word and wisdom uh, to, 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 to understand what is right and what is wrong from the scriptures to be able to judge the good fruit and bad fruit, to see um, what is right and wrong in this world, and to stand. Thank you that you give us the boldness and the courage and the faith trust in you to stand despite the consequences. Because we know that you have a, a place here for us. 
you have a home for us and that you're going to take home. Thank you. Amen.